0: Welcome to Episode 53 of the Holly Springs Deep Dive Podcast. Today's interview fits in the category of young people in our community doing big, big things. His name is Donovan Bethay, and he's an activist, an entrepreneur, an amazing public speaker, an amateur chef, a member of the Governor's Task Force for Safer Schools, and more. And he's just 17. I was really quite intimidated by such an accomplished young man, and I'll admit that I did mom him quite a bit. I'm sorry about that, Donovan. I couldn't help it. I'm serious, though. This young man is definitely someone to watch, and I bet he'll end up with a park named after him at some point. If you're enjoying this podcast, consider becoming a supporter by clicking the Patreon link on my website at www.hollyspringsdeepdive.com. This podcast is free to listen to, but it's not free to make. Okay, ready to get to know this young man? Let's dive in. I am talking tonight to Donovan Bethay, and many of you may have seen him already if you've been to some Black Lives Matter events around Holly Springs, or if you've been to the Martin Luther King Jr. Celebration Weekend in Apex this past weekend. Um, welcome to the show, Donovan.
1: Thank you for having me. It's such an honor to be on here.
0: You are so sweet. You, you are a very, very busy young man.
1: I try to keep myself busy to some extent. Yes, how
0: how do you have time to be a student at school? I, I you you have you have so many things that you are doing. I don't know how you have time for classes.
1: Um, education is definitely my first priority, so I feel like everything kind of falls after that. Everything yeah. kind of becomes what I have time for after school.
0: And you're you're a senior, right? Yes, ma'am. And you go to Apex Friendship High School. Yeah. Um, what? Um, What kind of things do you do at school?
1: Um, Usually I participate in technical theater and stuff. And if they or if anybody's ever been to a production at Apex Friendship High School, they might have seen me like house manager stuff. Or if their seat got double booked, I might have readjusted and gave them a different seat, stuff like that. Um, For dance concerts, I'm usually backstage and stuff. And uh, at school, I do the student equity committee and stuff, and I've been able to participate in panels and trainings and stuff for teachers. So a lot of interesting things here and there.
0: Wow! What kinds of um what what are you thinking about for the, your future?
1: Um, I plan on attending NCANT on a business administration major with a focus in human resources. So we're looking forward to that.
0: Oh. I grew up in Greensboro, so I'm very familiar. Oh, really? Yeah. And my, my oldest daughter uh, goes to UNCG. so
1: um, I have an older sister who went there. Really? Yeah. That's,
0: that's neat. Um, so I want to talk about what your calling is at the moment. You are such a compelling speaker at the events that I've seen you at. I, I don't know where it comes from. You're a young guy. Are you 18 yet?
1: No, ma'am, I'm 17 right now.
0: You're still seventeen and you you're so brave to get up in front of gigantic crowds like that. Have you always been kind of extroverted or did you have to get past some, you know, like crowd fear to be able to do that kind of thing?
1: Yes, I've I've always been the one to speak up. Like when I was little in class, I wouldn't get in trouble for what I was doing, but i get in trouble for talking. So it kind of came naturally. But um, I guess I, it was never a fear for me, but I had passion about certain topics and stuff. And as I saw stuff needed to be done or, you know, these conversations needed to be had, it was like, you know, well, I'm not afraid to have them. So I guess once the passion kind of came and pushed me behind it then you know, speaking up in front of people and trying to get them motivated and understand perspective and stuff kind of just came along naturally.
0: So what are the issues that you're most passionate about?
1: Um, I speak a lot about racial injustice right now because I feel like we've just watched too many times the same story where we have to face different brothers and sisters dying for simple misunderstandings from law enforcement. I feel like there's a lot of cultural understanding that isn't happening that should be, and just a lot of things that as humans we all deserve and there shouldn't be judgment necessarily behind.
0: I can see that. Um, and I agree with you. There's there's just way too much of the injustice and different treatment um, of the African-American community from the way white people are treated. It's It's a travesty. And I guess it was put into full view a couple of weeks ago in the Capitol.
1: I was about to say, yeah. And just over the pandemic as a whole, you know, we're all sitting at home with not much to do, but we're sitting here watching the same story told a billion different ways about how somebody lost their life to law enforcement over a simple misunderstanding but people can do things as they did on the capitol the other week and nobody's life was taken by the law enforcement and it's it's frustrating to see but it's also, you know, frustrating to live and think about and you know, think about for your children, think about what, for your family. So there's a lot to consider mm-hmm. about it.
0: What kind of talks did you have with your parents when you were growing up? Did you have to do you have to do special things um, to keep your parents happy with your safety?
1: Um, yeah, there's a lot of things that they've reminded me of. There's a lot of things I've done independently. Like, for example, I have this app on my phone and if I ever get pulled over, I have to prop it up on my car dash and I just hit a button and it sends them a text, sends them my location. It starts recording and all of this, you know, and it's like precaution, my own, um, insurance card and title are on my um not the rear view mirror but the personal mirror. I forget Mm what it's called. But like I have to leave those there so that way I'm not reaching, you know, in my um glove box or in my armrest or any of that. So there's precautions we've had to put in place and talked about and stuff just so I know that I'm safe.
0: I hate that I hate that they had to have those kind of talks with you and I I hate that you have to do those things, but I really do feel like the things that you're saying and the things that you're doing are going to move things in the right direction. And I, I hope that this all gets solved um, within your lifetime and before you're my age, that would be, that's the dream. Well, I guess the dream, I guess the dream would be that it wouldn't be a problem in the first place, but right, the next yeah. thing would be to get it taken care of pretty quick. Um, do you feel like things are different now than they were just a year ago? I and mean, do you feel like people or two years ago, do you feel like people are talking about it in different ways or or what?
1: Um, no, I wouldn't say they're necessarily different, but I feel like we're louder, so to say. So, you know, these Marches and protests have been happening, and it was like you know, they became tradition and nothing was really progressing during them. But then we sat here during the pandemic and we watched things happen, and people across the seas got to see it. You know, all of these things began to build up, and I think it became where everything else was silent and people didn't have a choice but to listen. So, Mm -hmm. I don't think it's necessarily different, but I think it's a lot louder than it normally would be. And I think the power behind it is pushing a lot harder than it normally would because people, you know, fight for these things and then they have to go right back to work and school the next day. But people are realizing this is everyday stuff and we have to continue to talk about it every day to make a genuine Mm -hmm. change.
0: Yeah. Well, I think um, I think you're on to something with, you know, being kind of homebound. Um, We see a lot more, but it's been so clearly demonstrated with uh with the Capitol insurrection. Comparing that to and I know that it's not an it's not a an accurate comparison to um Black Lives Matter um events and vigils and things like that and protests, but it was a large it was a large group it was a large group of mad people. Right. Um in both situations. But um, at Black Lives Matter it, um, events, they everybody was mad um, because a large class of human beings were not being treated the way that they should be. Right, And this other one up in Washington, D.C., a couple of weeks ago, um, was a bunch of mad people who just didn't want to deal with reality. So In that way, it's very different. But they're the same in some ways, too. It's just a bunch of mad people. And the difference in how those crowds were handled, if if anybody ever thought that it was just made up that black people are treated differently than white people, I don't think they can argue that anymore after seeing that.
1: And I think there's... Regardless of these people being angry, I think we have to realize that the Black community is also hurt right now. Mm-hmm. We've sat home and like we've said, we watched it. And with Ahmaud Aubrey and Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, we watched their deaths. We listened to them. We heard them. We saw them. And we're sitting here waiting for these cases to serve them justice. And all we see is a slap on the wrist or a big payout. And simply that's not enough. So when you see these crowds gathering and saying, you know, black lives matter, it's not to say that any other life doesn't matter, but simply recognize us for who we are and say that we matter just as much as y'all do. The same way y'all went up to the Capitol and, you know, fought for what you believe in, regardless of how you felt, nobody got hurt. That's the same way it should be for us. But it should also be a simple line of understanding that these are our lives at stake. These aren't an election term or something you didn't agree with. These are simply me making sure that I can get up the next morning after I put my head on my pillow at night.
0: Mm -hmm. So what kinds of things do you find yourself talking about when you do bigger speaking engagements around here?
1: Um, I've always considered myself to kind of like take my opportunities to educate people Mm -hmm. because a lot of times people hear things from here and there and they tend to piece their own story together. But I think giving them the straight facts and educating them on what simply is true gives them a lot more of a perspective on what is genuinely happening. So I feel like for my public speaking, I try and do more of that because people would not realize a lot of the stuff that happens without being educated on it because most people don't have the time or just don't take the time to educate themselves.
0: Yeah. We seem to, um, I don't know. I feel like our society is still segregated in a way because we don't talk about black issues in the white community very much because we don't know. I mean, I think, I think a lot of people didn't know until the last year or so that, um, African-American parents had to have a lot of discussions with their sons and daughters that white families just don't have to have.
1: Right. And I think a lot of it goes back to like education and stuff, because there's a lot of stuff in Black history that just isn't being taught in normal education. And especially for me living in a place like Holly Springs, a lot of the things that are like simple facts I never knew about are never educated to me unless I educate myself. Like, when I found out Durham was one of the first Black Wall Streets, it was shocking to me because all you hear now is like, Durham is so run down. But it's like all this information that is part of our history is being held back from us. So then, of course, you know, people who aren't us don't get to see everything. And then when they are put out that history and then they put out the stories and they release the narratives and stuff, it's like, wow, you know, they're living a completely different reality. But I feel like a majority of that is because Their children aren't being educated on it. They weren't educated on it. So they don't know better.
0: And it just, the cycle just keeps going from generation. Yeah. From generation to generation. Well, who, let's look at the
1: future. Who are your influences? Um, I would, it's hard to like pinpoint a lot. I would definitely say one is like my grandma. She's inspired me to do a lot and she's definitely like a motivating factor in my life. I have a lot of respect for like President and First Lady Michelle Obama and just the way that they tend to overcome adversity and just everything that they've been through, but they still chose the high road. I feel like that's important, but I also feel like Dr. King and Malcolm X's tactics were important because oftentimes people talk about how Dr. King was peaceful and how he was, you know, bring everybody together. But we don't tend to talk about how he also encouraged Black power and building up the Black community. And I feel like him and Malcolm X did a lot that we don't get to hear about. And it, It's kind of loops back into that education thing, but it also gives me perspective and helps me know, like, where I want to drive my own speaking opportunities and stuff for when I do get to educate other people.
0: You're such you're such a compelling guy to listen to. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So when did you start? Doing these kinds of things? Have you have you just always been one to speak up against injustices? Or did was there like a pivotal moment where you were like, all right, it's on?
1: Um, I I I really <laughs> don't know. It kind of started in high school. Um, for majority of middle school, I would go through like microaggressions and stuff or deal with the racist mm-hmm. person here and there and it it never really clicked for me i guess you know i would walk in a restaurant here and there and feel uncomfortable but you know i just thought it was me and kind of looked over it so i guess in high school when i started to like actually educate myself on stuff and i guess acknowledge the pain that i would see it became conversations and once i started acknowledging it and once i started talking about it it was like oh you know you feel that way too or oh you see this too and it just kept building and there are so many people who felt the way I felt that it was like, okay, we all feel this way and we all see this, so we need to talk about it so we can change it.
0: Do you do you feel like you experience um microaggressions and I don't know if macroaggressions is a thing, but do do you feel like you have like implied racism kinds of events that happen in your life or like overt Incidences that you can talk about?
1: Yeah, um, uh, uh, most tend to happen at school, and most tend to happen from that under education aspect. And it's just people saying things and not realizing how insensitive they are, or their preconceived notions tend to play out in what they say to others, and they don't even realize it. So,
0: You sound like you have more patience than a lot of people would have with that kind of thing.
1: I I was, yeah, (laughs) um, I've definitely, one thing I rarely do is hold my tongue. But with that, I, I try and be as understanding as possible. But at the same time, you, some, everybody knows better. Everybody can see it. So
0: I would imagine that you get tired of having to educate people all the time.
1: Yeah, um it get it can be draining. It is not for everybody and it's definitely not the black community's responsibility to like educate everybody. But I feel like for me it kind of helps with perspective. So, you know, you tell me what you see and how you feel and I'll tell you what I see and how I feel and then the facts that go behind it and hopefully by the time we're done talking we can go away with some sort of understanding for what we both feel. But like I said, that's not everybody's responsibility. That's not everybody's calling. So what? even though I may do it, not everybody else is willing to. Or, and not everybody else has to because it's not the Black community's responsibility to educate everybody.
0: It isn't, but it still happens. Um, so I'm thankful when when I get called out on stupid things I say or preconceived notions that I don't even... Realize that I have, so I. It's embarrassing when I get called out, but it's helpful because I don't want to do it again. Right. So you are such a level-headed guy, and you're calm in the face of some things that, frankly, would sound like they are really hard to be calm about. So I'm very proud of you uh, for being so mature at seventeen. So I'm going to lead into the thing that made me want to talk to you the most. I saw that you are on the Governor's Task Force for Safer
1: Schools. <laughs> yes, I've recently been appointed.
0: Yeah, and I'm imagining that that's because you are such a peacemaker and such a you know force in the um, social justice kind of realm right now.
1: And I think it was kind of shocking to me when I got the email because I usually get emails here and there, you know, asking me to do stuff. And it's always like, you know, okay, whatever. And I never hear anything else about it. But when I got that email, you know, I answered it and responded and we had been in communication for a couple months. And then it was like one day I just received the letter and it was like, oh, this is real. (laughs) And it like it kind of shocked me, too. And a lot of it, I feel like just kind of built up until that opportunity because I participate in the um, superintendent student, student, superintendent student leadership committee. And I feel like that was kind of a platform for me to begin to be able to vocalize on a bigger platform, what I felt and how I was uh, experiencing, you know, different things at my school. And I think that kind of built, built into me, getting the opportunity with the governor. And then once I got it, it was just, you know, crazy to realize that I actually had it.
0: So do you get, I mean, have you gotten to meet him?
1: No, not yet. Um, This is all very recent. So we're still in the pandemic. Pandemic. It's it's messing up a lot of stuff.
0: (laughs) I hate that this is happening for you, your senior year of high school.
1: Yeah, it definitely changed how I saw things, but I feel like you know, you can only do it so much. So all we have left to do is make the best of it. So,
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I have been encouraging my youngest kid, who was your same age, to kind of focus on the things that he can do that he would not normally be able to do during the school day.
1: Like he can run
0: downstairs and get a sandwich in between classes. Right. He used to not be able to do that. And he can wear his pajamas all day if he feels like it.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Um, so what do you, what is, what What's the plan for the governor's task force for safer schools? Uh, do you have some objectives or some, some things that you want to work on first, or are they just going to kind of evaluate what all of the people on the panel say?
1: I was about to say, I think it's me and one other person on the panel, and I'm not really sure what platform they're doing it on yet. So I it's just two think. people. I yeah, I'm pretty sure. I think it's me and one person in Raleigh. So Oh my goodness.
0: Wow. That's an even bigger deal. <laughs> That's something. I can't believe that um somebody so like I don't know what word I want to use. Awesome is right here in our own little backyard in Holly Springs. It's great. <laughs> Um, so you have, you're a multifaceted guy. You have a lot of stuff going on. Um, you're in high school. You're getting ready to go to college. You speak at big community events. You educate a lot of people when they do crazy things and say dumb things, and you remain level-headed and nice about it, so I appreciate that. You're on this governor's task force. You're on the superintendent thing that you just told me about that I didn't know about. But you also, in your spare time from all of that, you have an Etsy shop. Do you want to talk about that? What's it called?
1: Oh, yeah. So this year on my birthday, I was able to open up an Etsy shop. It's called The Diva and Don Designs. Um, right now, I'm just selling like simple shirts and stuff that have meaningful sayings behind them. And really, my motivation behind it was like, I, I'm a clothing freak. I have too many shirts, too many shoes, all of that. So it was like, you know, I have all these clothes, but how much of it truly means something to me? So I felt like all of these, you know, say something that's valuable. They give people different ways to express themselves. And I feel like it's truly my source of creativity. And I'm looking forward to expanding it.
0: What um what's your best seller? What's your best selling t shirt?
1: Um, my favorite one and my bestseller is "Be Kind." Every it seems like almost every time I talk about it, somebody buys it again. So, and it's I think it sold out like three times already. So, it's definitely one of my favorites, and it's definitely one of our top sellers.
0: It's called "Diva and the Dawn." I know who the diva is. Do you want to talk about her? <laughs>
1: Yes, that's my mom. Her name is LaDonna Bethea. And she's the one that kind of directed me into wanting to open up my own store. And I feel like it. She, she gave me the opportunity, but she wanted me to grow on it myself. And she wanted it to be like my business and stuff and for me to have the ideas and stuff. But, you know, she still has that momager thing where, you know, in the back of my head always... I hear her. She just points her finger at the other side and shows me where I messed up and stuff. And I definitely appreciate it cuz not everybody has that opportunity, so I don't take it for granted.
0: Yeah, your mom is a special lady. I like her. You I've I've seen some masks in your store too. Don't you sell masks as well?
1: Oh, yes, ma'am. I sell. Right now I have masks, I have totes, I have shirts. I can do like sweatshirts and stuff too, actually, and sweatpants. I've done a sweatsuit for one of my cousins. So
0: So you can probably like, you can do a special order. So if you see a saying that you like on one item, if you do a special
1: request, I bet you can put it on anything, right? Basically after you go on my Etsy site and choose the saying or design you want, then we mm-hmm. can kind of like talk about what you want me to put it on and stuff. So um, it's definitely, it's more so what's up there. You can kind of customize rather than anything, you know, you can put on a shirt. So,
0: so I like the one, um, as, as, you know, a peer of your mom's, um, and as a mom myself, I like the one that says I'm that mom.
1: Oh yeah, that was, um, and I'm looking forward to selling that one for Mother's Day this year. It was a really mm-hmm. nice one. That's one of my favorites too. Was that your mom's creation or was that yours? That was yeah. That was one of her picks because it was good pick. As soon as we chose it, she was the first one to get one. So,
0: well, she's not wrong.
1: <laughs> don't
0: don't try to tell that lady that she is wrong because she will she'll tell you and she'll be right. <laughs> um. Besides all of the other things that we've talked about, you also I noticed that you have an Instagram about cooking. You're an avid chef. Is that right?
1: Well um, <laughs> yes, ma'am. It's one of my hobbies that I enjoy.
0: What kind of stuff do you like to cook?
1: Um I my favorite thing to make is mac and cheese and I feel like I'm asked to make it almost every other day but this year for Thanksgiving you know I was preparing to cook and stuff because this was like my first Thanksgiving I truly got to cook by myself and mm-hmm. it was the most amazing thing I had so much fun <laughs> and wait a minute I, wait a
0: minute wait a minute you cooked the whole Thanksgiving dinner yourself
1: oh yes ma'am I mean <gasps> help from the family but like I definitely got to do what I wanted
0: wow I want to get your mac and cheese recipe. Do you make the same recipe all the time or do
1: you kind of? Oh, I usually stick to the same one, but I've used different variations and stuff depending on the setting.
0: Would you give me your recipe or is that like <laughs> a
1: closely held family secret? We can talk about it. I might be able to spare one for you. Okay.
0: <laughs> I would love that. I love mac and cheese. Um, what's your favorite thing? So is your favorite thing to eat also mac and cheese? I know your your mom
1: is a crazy cook. I was about to say, it gets, I feel like for me, I like to make it more than I like to eat it. Cause I'm very, now that I know how to make it, I'm very judgmental of like other people's mac and cheese, <laughs> but um, one of my favorite things, I, I really like like breakfast foods and stuff. I could eat breakfast for dinner every day. So like one of my favorite things is pancakes. And we've been using this Vicky's Pancakes Mix, and it's my Uh number one thing in the world. I love it so much.
0: Well, we are talking right now at 730 at night. I'm going to tell you that my family had breakfast for dinner tonight for dinner.
1: (laughs) And I should share this recipe
0: with you. It was really good. It's a a French toast recipe, and it's baked, so it's all ready at the same time. But Uh I use it... Uh, the bread that i use is the chocolate chip brioche from aldi
1: oh yeah 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 i've seen that oh that sounds good okay well what recipe trade?
0: yeah we'll have to we'll <laughs> have to switch um i it's it's kind of a it's built off of um a I think America's Test Kitchen or Cook's Country. I don't remember one of their recipes. And I kind of switched it around because they used plain bread,
1: but this is the jam. It is so good. Um, (laughs) I was about to say on Thanksgiving, I was like getting requests from my friends and stuff. And this is the only year ever I've had to make baked beans for Thanksgiving. But they were like, now we have to make it a tradition because they ate the whole pan.
0: Well, I mean, if it's good, it doesn't matter what day it is. Well, see, your mom, she cooks like a crazy person. I mean, I I've seen her say on Facebook before, you know, we just, you know, we just had a quick lunch and it would be like three or four different side dishes and a big ham or something. And I was (laughs) Okay, so for your quick Sunday mid-afternoon casual luncheon. You just made more than I have made for some of my holiday meals, so okay.
1: I was about to say it is definitely like transferred from her into me, and it's like I I can't make enough for just one day or for one meal, so we end up having leftovers of it every time. Never fails.
0: In addition to all of that, you also have a job. Where do you work?
1: I work at Beyond School Age Care.
0: Mm-hmm. What do you do there?
1: I'm one of the counselors and originally I was a summer camp counselor and now I'm able to help the kids with virtual academy and stuff and it is definitely one of my favorite things to do.
0: <laughs> you used to go there when you were a little guy, right?
1: Yeah, I did. I used to go there and I went when I was little and I had Miss Cindy and Miss Tiffany and now I work with Miss Tiffany and Miss Cindy's my supervisor so it's different but it's like definitely that still same at home feeling and I feel like it's just so much fun getting to go in there every day.
0: I mean, it's got to be such a weird, full circle kind of moment.
1: Oh, yeah, because sure. we we recently moved into a new building. But before that, we were in the building that I was in when I used to go when I was little. Mm-hmm. And it was like just so weird. And now it's like we're in the new building. So I've truly been there for every stage of it. And it's just so interesting to look at. <laughs>
0: Well, I can't believe that you um have the same number of hours in your day that I do because you <laughs> you accomplish a lot of stuff, young man. Let me tell you. Um, do you have any advice for um kids coming up after you if they you know if they want to be like you and be a force for good and social justice or or whatever whatever issue matters most to them? What advice do you have?
1: Um, It took me a long time to learn this, but sometimes you definitely need to focus on yourself. And I get that sometimes, you know, I'm a type of person where I pour a lot more into others than I usually do for myself. And I had to like take a step back and realize, you know, sometimes you have to take care of yourself and sometimes you have to prioritize the things you need over some people in your life. So I feel like that's definitely important for when you're growing up, because as much as You want to take care of somebody and help them out. Make sure you're okay and you're in a position to help them out. And then also, it never hurts to be nice to somebody. They can hate you up one side and back down the other, but they can never say that you were mean to them or that you did them wrong. So,
0: You're such a sweet kid, Donovan. I feel so (laughs) lucky that we have you here in our little town.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Do you have time to do any just frivolous things? What do you like to do
1: for fun? Um me me and my friends are always up to something. Um I I'm pretty open to different things. Like last year I went ice skating with my friend for her birthday. Never going back though. Can't skate. Oh. Of me, I don't know what it is.
0: <laughs> well, you could if you just keep going at it, it doesn't take long, it's kind of like riding a bike. I was about to say that's it.
1: what everybody kept saying, but I just went and sat down and I was good, so
0: <laughs> I feel that it. And when you fall on ice,
1: yeah, that that was the rough part.
0: <laughs> and I always feel like it, it's got to be dangerous skating around on sharp metal.
1: Things. I thought that too, and I was really concerned, but everybody said it was okay. So I was just like, all right, I guess it's okay.
0: It's like skiing, having these unwieldy, long, pokey <laughs> things on your feet that you can't control. Right. I mean, that's the recipe for disaster.
1: Yeah, it was definitely interesting. But yeah, me and my friends tend to do a lot of different things, and we try and spe- experiment experience as much as we can here while we here together, so...
0: Yeah. So are any of them coming with you to A&T?
1: Not that I know of, unless one of them is surprising me and hasn't told me yet. But um, I have two going to Winston-Salem State, and uh, I have a couple others who are still making their decisions, but have got acceptances back. so.
0: So was it really important for you to go to a historically Black college?
1: Yes, it was definitely number one on my list. Um, Like I've said, I've grown up in Holly Springs all my life. So I definitely feel like I need to be somewhere where I can have conversations and be in classes where I see people like me, where my teachers look like me, because I didn't have my first black teacher until I was in the eighth grade. I had, you know, I had assistant teachers and stuff in elementary school, but it was like, when I had my first black teacher in eighth grade and it was a math teacher and it was just, you know, shocking to me. And it was so weird to think about. And I feel like that's just something I want to experience every day and build those connections. So.
0: Well, representation definitely matters,
1: doesn't it? Yes, a lot.
0: My kindergarten teacher was a black woman in Greensboro. I think Greensboro is a lot more um
1: yeah, the Greensboro definitely is more diverse. They're um, UNCG, like we were talking about earlier, has become a minority-serving institution, so they're definitely more of a hot spot than we are here.
0: Yeah, yeah, Holly Springs is pretty white. <laughs> I, mean, I gotta say it is. Which probably, what thirty or forty years ago, if somebody would have told you that Holly Springs would end up like this, I bet they would have like cracked up at you.
1: Yeah, I was about to say when I found out that Holly Springs was found by like mostly black people, it was shocking to me. And finding out that Womble Park was named after somebody, actually, it was like, Mm -hmm. you know, all that stuff is new information to me. And it was just so crazy to think about. But it was like, you know, that representation matters because you never know what could happen until you see somebody else do it or hear about somebody else doing it.
0: Yeah. Did you ever get to meet Mr. Womble
1: no, I didn't. The first time I heard about him was actually when he passed. I didn't know he was still living until he passed.
0: yeah, I got to meet him he was he was um he had this kind of air about him of power and like he was a regal guy mm-hmm. and he didn't even have to say anything or do anything. He just had this air about him. I don't know how to describe it.
1: I was about to say, I've heard nothing but like good and, and inspiring things about him. Like they're always yeah. good stories. So.
0: Well, you don't get a park named after you if you're a dork. So <laughs> maybe, maybe there's going to be a Donovan Bethay Park somewhere.
1: I would love to see it. <laughs> I will believe I mean, you when I see it.
0: You're you're on the governor's task force. You're on your way. You're only seventeen. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate you talking to me today. Um, I already knew that you were a delightful young human being, but you're even more delightful than I knew. I really appreciate you talking to me.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's definitely been fun coming on here.
0: Do you promise I can have that macaroni and cheese recipe?
1: Do you promise I can have the French toast recipe? Yes. (laughs) Then yes. (laughs) All right.
0: Well, um, it was lovely talking to you. Tell your mom I said hey.
1: Yes, ma'am. I will.
0: All right. I'll talk to you
1: later. All right.
0: Links and other information mentioned are in today's show notes. This episode was written, recorded, and produced by me, Karen Shore, with music by Doug Maxwell and Meteorite Productions. Be well, friends. Until next time.